a look at 80s music from Orange County, California. Music that came from here and music that came to here. Join me, your host, Doug Crandall, every Thursday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Good evening, and welcome to another night of Behind the Orange Curtain. Behind the Orange Curtain explores music that came from here, Orange County, California, to influence the rest of the world, and music that made it here from around the world to influence those of us who lived in Orange County during the 1980s. Today, we're going to look at the world of John Hughes and his teen movies, and more specifically, the music that he selected for his movies that left an indelible mark on us all during the 1980s here in Orange County and around the world. His movies would become the quintessential representation of being a teenager in the 1980s. And through his movies and his love of music, he would introduce us to new music that would be forever tied to the scenes from his movies, but also launch bands into superstardom. So let's pull back the orange curtain this evening and start exploring bands and artists that John Hughes saw fit to include into his movies. John Wilden Hughes Jr. was born February 18, 1950, and unfortunately left us August 6, 2009. He's an American filmmaker, beginning as an author of humorous essays and stories for National Lampoon. He went on to write, produce, and sometimes direct some of the most successful live-action comedy films of the 1980s and 1990s, such as National Lampoon's Vacation and all of its sequels, Mr. Mom, Sixteen Candles, Weird Science, The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Pretty in Pink, Some Kind of Wonderful, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, She's Having a Baby, Uncle Buck, Dutch, Dennis the Menace, and the list goes on. Most of Hugh's work is set in Chicago in the metropolitan area. He's best known for his coming-of-age teen comedy films, which we'll be focused on this evening which often combined magic realism with the honest depictions of suburban teenage life. Many of his most enduring characters from these years were written for Molly Ringwald, who was Hughes's muse. While out on a walk one morning in New York in the summer of 2009, Hughes suffered a fatal heart attack. His legacy after his death was honored by many, including at the 82nd Academy Awards by actors whom he had worked with, such as Matthew Broderick, Molly Ringwald, Anthony Michael Hall, Macaulay Culkin, among many others. The first movie of the evening is about Samantha's life, and it's going downhill fast. The 16-year-old has a crush on the most popular boy in school, and the geekiest boy in school has a crush on her. Her sister's getting married, and with all the excitement, the rest of her family forgets her birthday. Add all this to a pair of horrendously embarrassing grandparents, a foreign exchange student named Long Duck Dong, and we have the makings of a hilarious journey into young womanhood. The movie was Sixteen Candles. Sixteen Candles was released in 1984. It's an American coming-of-age comedy film starring Molly Ringwald, Michael Schofling, which was almost Viggo Mortensen, and Anthony Michael Hall. It was both written and directed by John Hughes in his 
directorial debut. In its opening weekend, the film grossed $4.4 million in 1,240 theaters across the U.S. and Canada, ranking second. By the end of its run, 16 Candles grossed $23.5 million against a budget of $6.5 million. The first band we're going to cover off the 16 Candles soundtrack is a band called Altered Images. They were an early 1980s Scottish New Wave slash post-punk band, fronted by singer Claire Grogan. The band branched into mainstream pop music, having six UK Top 40 hit singles and three Top 30 albums between 1981 and 1983. Their hits include I Could Be Happy, See Those Eyes, Don't Talk To Me About Love, but here is their other hit song, Happy Birthday, a pick by John Hughes. I can't believe this. They fucking forgot my birthday.
The next song takes place as Molly Ringwald watches the love of her life dance with someone else. The song is true. It's by an English new wave band called Spandau Ballet. It was released on April 15th of 1983, and it's the third single from their third studio album, which was also called True. The song was a huge worldwide hit, peaking at number one in the UK singles chart on the 30th of April for four weeks, becoming the sixth biggest selling single of the year and reaching the top 10 on the weekly charts of many other countries. It is Spandau Ballet's biggest hit and their only top 10 hit in the US, reaching number four on the Billboard Hot 100 in autumn of 1983 and topping the adult contemporary chart for one week in 2011. It received a BMI award as one of the most played songs in U.S. history with over 4 million airplays. Here it is for you, True by Spandau Ballet.
One of my favorite bands on this soundtrack is a band out of Los Angeles, California called Oingo Boingo. They were huge in Orange County during the 80s, often playing on Halloween, in which we'll pay homage to them on the week of Halloween on Behind the Orange Curtain. But for now, here's a song that played during the dance scene where Michael Anthony Hall tries to dance with Molly Ringwald. It's Wild Sex by Oingo Boingo.
worked so hard thinking of you. In an interview I read with John Hughes, Hughes talked about how the movie studio butchered his beloved 16 Candles over a dispute concerning the royalties they had to pay for music on the VHS cassette version. He bemoaned losing the music of his favorite acts from bands such as The Specials and being forced to use soundalikes or alternative tracks. The only place that you can hear the music that I picked for the film is on the film print. Here is... The specials, Little Bitch. One, two! that memorable scene where Sam gets the boy after the wedding and they celebrate the birthday that she never had. Here is If You Were Here by the Thompson Twins. Hi. 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 
What are you doing here? I heard you were here. You came here for me? second movie on tonight's show is about five high school students. They meet in Saturday detention and discover how they have a lot more in common than they thought. The movie is The Breakfast Club. In a pre-screening of The Breakfast Club with studio executives, when the film ended, the studio executives stood up and they didn't say a word. Hughes told the producer, I don't think they like it. The producer said, it's a piece of shit. It's horrible. It's just a bunch of kids talking in school. The film premiered in Los Angeles on February 7, 1985. Universal Pictures released it in cinemas in the United States, and on February 15, 1985, it received critical acclaim and earned $51.5 million on a $1 million budget. Critics considered it to be one of Hughes' most memorable and recognizable works. The media referred to the film's five-man actors as members of a group called the Brat Pack. 
In 2016, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. The film was digitally remastered and was rescreened in 430 theaters in its celebration of its 30th year anniversary in 2015. The soundtrack to The Breakfast Club is a little less action-packed, as Hughes said he really wanted to focus on the characters of the movie. And so for tonight, I've selected two songs that I thought were the strongest off of the soundtrack that actually contained words, and here they are for you now. The first one is by Wang Chung. It's called Fire in the Twilight. How do you know where Vernon went? I don't. Well, then how do you know when he'll be back? I don't. Being bad feels pretty good. Huh? What's the point of going to Bender's locker? Beats me. This is so stupid. Why do you think, why are we risking getting caught? I don't know. So then what are we doing? You ask me one more question and I'm beating the shit out of you.
Don't You Forget About Me is a song performed by Scottish rock band Simple Minds. It was written and composed by producer Keith Forsey and Steve Schiff. The song was written while Forsey and Schiff were scoring The Breakfast Club. Both were Simple Minds fans and wrote a song with the band in mind. Forsey played a demonstration for the band's label A&M Records, which invited him to meet the band backstage after one of their Tour du Monde shows in the U.S. However, A&M did not notify Simple Minds that Forsey would appear, and the band declined the offer and the song despite of Forsey's enthusiasm for them. Forsey next offered the song to Brian Ferry and then to Billy Idol, whom Forsey was producing at the time, but both of them declined. The record company suggested Corey Hart because he had his big hit sunglasses at night, but Forsey didn't think that Hart would be the right singer for it. And so they also pitched it to Fix lead singer Cy Kernan, who also passed. According to Simple Minds frontman Jim Kerr, the band was reluctant to record the song because they felt they could only record their own material. We are Simple Minds. We don't need songs that sound like Simple Minds. We are Simple Minds. We do our own songs. Well, good thing that they relented due to persuasion from both the label A&M and Chrissy Hine, Kerr's wife at the time. In The Breakfast Club, Hughes says, I played the Simple Minds song three times with three different mixes. The demo, an instrumental version, and the vocal mix at the end, he said. You had a raw sound on the demo, and then it went into a finished instrumental track, and then we played it at the end. People get used to music by hearing it repetitively. You play it three times, so by the end of the movie, they get it. And it was a hit, which was really fun for me. To help a band get a hit by giving them a platform that they didn't have before was really great. And one of my favorite achievements. In The Breakfast Club, Hughes says, I played the Simple Minds song three times with three different mixes. The demo, an instrumental version, and the vocal mix at the end, he said. You had a raw sound on the demo, and then it went into a finished instrumental track, and then we played it at the end. People get used to music by hearing it repetitively. You play it three times, so by the end of the movie, they get it. And it was a hit which was really fun for me. To help a band get a hit by giving them a platform that they didn't have before was really great. And one of my favorite achievements. Here is the reluctant Simple Minds with their biggest hit ever, Don't You Forget About Me. Dear Mr. Vernon, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole Saturday in detention for whatever it was we did wrong. But we think you're crazy to make us write an essay telling you who we think we are. And you see us as you want to see us. In the simplest terms, with the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a brain. And an athlete. And a basket case. A princess. And a criminal. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, The Breakfast Club. Trouble's in time. 
16 Candles came out in 1984 and The Breakfast Club in 1985. Also in 1985, John Hughes released a movie about two high school nerds who use a computer program to literally create the perfect woman, but she turns their lives upside down. The movie is Weird Science. Compared to The Breakfast Club, Weird Science has a much more robust soundtrack. The first song is the title song that we're going to play, also by Oingo Boingo. The song was written spontaneously by Elfman in the car while driving home to Los Angeles after a phone call from John Hughes, asking him to write a song for his movie that was the same name. Elfman claimed to have heard the whole thing in his head just by the time he ran home to his studio to record his demo. 
It was released on the film's soundtrack as well as Oingo Boingo's 1985 album, Dead Man's Party, as a longer mix. The song reached number 45 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, number 21 on the U.S. Dance Club charts, and number 81 in Canada. Here's Weird Science by Oingo Boingo. So, what would you little maniacs like to do first? From my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand my intention?
This next song is played in the background at a shopping mall during the scene where Robert Downey Jr. and his friend take a large cherry icy and spill it from the top floor down on the boys below. The song is Tesla Girls. It's a song by the English electronic band OMD or Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. It was released as their third single from their 1984 album Junk Culture. It charted at number 21 in the UK and Ireland and number 33 in the Netherlands. Although only moderately successful on other charts, it became one of the group's biggest club hits. Let's hear it now. Tesla Girls by OMD.
Played in the background at the party scene in the movie, 80s is the first single from the English post-punk band Killing Joke and their fifth studio album, Nighttime. The song had been premiered during a three-track live performance for UK TV show The Tube in December of 1983. Upon its release, the single reached number 60 on the UK singles chart and could often be heard on KROQ, the radio station from LA that we love so much in Orange County. Here it is for you now, Killing Joke and the song 80s.
the end of the movie, Anthony Michael Hall comes clean with the girl he's trying to impress and tells her that all of the things he tried to impress her with aren't really his. And the way he's acting isn't really him. She tells him, I like you just the way you are. This next song, Tenderness by General Public, was from their 1984 album, All the Rage, produced by IRS Records. It's heard during this scene in the background. Let's hear it now. Tenderness by General Public. I want to thank you for a great night. Same here. Deb, I have kind of a confession to make. (laughs) I'm really not this cool. Um, That's not my car. This is not my suit. I mean, none of those people were my friends. Why are you telling me all of this? Because I want you to like me for what I am. Whatever you are, I like it.
1986 came Hughes's next film, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, a film starring Matthew Broderick as Ferris Bueller, a high school slacker who skipped school for a day in Chicago, with Mia Sarah and Alan Ruck, where Ferris regularly breaks the fourth wall to explain his techniques and inner thoughts. Hughes wrote the screenplay in less than a week. Filming began September of 1985 and finished in November. Released by Paramount Pictures on June 11, 1986, the film became one of the top-grossing films of the year, receiving $70.1 million over a $5.8 million budget. This is another film where Hughes intended the movie to be more focused on the characters rather than the plot. I know how the movie begins. I know how it ends. I don't ever know the rest, but that doesn't seem to matter. It's not the events that are important. It's the characters going through the event. Therefore, I make them all as full and real as I can. This time around, I wanted to create a character who could handle everyone and everything. An official soundtrack was not originally released for the film, as John Hughes felt that the songs would not work well together as a continuous album. A&M was very angry with me over that. They begged me to put one out, but I thought, who'd want all these songs? I mean... Would kids want Donkashane and Oh Yeah on the same record? They probably already had Twist and Shout, or their parents did. And to put those all together with more contemporary stuff, like the English Beat and other bands, I just didn't think anybody would like it. As far as 80s songs go from the soundtrack, these two songs probably had the most success. The first is called Love Missile F1 through 11. It's a song by a British band, Sig Sig Sputnik, released in 1986 as the first single from their debut album, Flaunt It. It was their biggest hit, reaching number three on the UK singles chart. Let's listen to it now. Incredible. One of the worst performances of my career, and they never doubted it for a second. How could I possibly be expected to handle school on a day like this?
And now for another unique song released in 1985 by the Swiss band Yellow. It's featured on their album Stella. After its use in the 1986 film Ferris Bueller's Day Off, it was an incredibly infectious song for which it became virtually known as the Ferris Bueller song. But the song was used in various other film soundtracks throughout the end of the decade and developed a reputation as a 1980s Hollywood cliché. It was prominently used in the 1987 film The Secret of My Success. It was also part of the soundtrack She's Out of Control and Opportunity Knocks. The song was used in a series of Twix commercials as well from 1988 to 1990. Here it is, Oh Yeah by Yellow. Yep. I said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it.
that same year of 1986, Hughes would release another movie, Pretty in Pink, a romantic comedy that was about love and social cliques in American high schools in the 1980s, a cult classic. It is commonly identified as a Brat Pack film. It was directed by Howard Dutch, produced by Lawrence Schuler Donner, and written by John Hughes, who also served as co-executive producer. The film was named after a song by the Psychedelic Furs. As with previous films by John Hughes, Pretty in Pink featured a soundtrack composed mostly of new wave music. While director Howard Dutch originally intended the film to primarily contain theme music, Hughes influenced his decision to use post-punk music throughout the film. The title song, from the Psychedelic Furs, acted as a bit of inspiration for the film and was re-recorded specifically for the film's opening sequence in a version that was less raw than the original version that appeared in the 1981 album Talk, Talk, Talk. Pretty in Pink was the top-grossing film for the week of March 12, 1986. The film earned U.S. 6.1 million during its opening week and 40.5 million during its theatrical run. It was the 22nd highest-grossing film of 1986. The first song is from The Psychedelic Furs, a British new wave band founded in London in February of 1977, led by singer Richard Butler and his brother Tim Butler on bass guitar. The Furs are one of many acts spawned from the British post-punk scene. Their music went well through several phases, from an initial austere art rock sound to later touching on new wave and hard rock. The band scored several hits under their career, and in 1986, John Hughes was inspired by their song and wrote the movie Pretty in Pink. But I'm going to play you the original version from the Talk, Talk, Talk album rather than the movie version that we've all heard so much. It's a little more raw, and I like it a little better. Here it is.
The next song from the soundtrack I'm going to play is Left of Center by Suzanne Vega. It features Joe Jackson on the piano. It was released as a single and reached number 35 in Australia and 28 in Ireland and number 32 in the United Kingdom. Here it is, Left of Center, Suzanne Vega. Strip in the outskirts and in the fringes, in the corner, out of the grip. Another song on the Pretty in Pink soundtrack was the Australian rock band In Excess. This one, I'm sending out a dedication to my buddy, Greg Craycraft, lead singer of the cover band 
the reflex. The song is Do What You Do by In Excess. Shock is a single that was released by New Order on March 17, 1986. The song originally appeared on the soundtrack to the movie Pretty in Pink prior to its single release. The single had differing B-sides. The 7-inch came with the recycled Thieves Like Us instrumental, which also turned up in the movie in Pretty in Pink, although not credited. Here is Shell Shock by New Order.
Please, please, please let me get what I want is a song by the English rock band The Smiths. It's been covered by numerous other artists. As a matter of fact, the Dream Academy covered it in the 1985 version, and an instrumental version of this cover by them was used in the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off in 1986. But here's The Smiths doing the original version as written. Please, please, please let me get what I want. Good times for a change See the luck I've had Can make a good man turn bad So please, please, please Let me, let me, let me Let me get what I want this time Haven't had a dream in a long time See the life I've had can make a good man bad So for once in my life let me get what I want Lord knows it would be the first time Lord knows it would be the first time Now, for those of you who know the story of Pretty in Pink, the film portrayed Andy, Molly Ringwald, and Ducky ending up together. However, Testa audiences disapproved, and the Andy Blaine ending was produced instead. Paramount executives were also apprehensive about the original ending, worried that the film might be perceived as classist, and as suggested that wealthy people and poor people should not interact. OMD had selected Goddess of Love from the album, The Pacific Age, for the original ending. With only two days before going on tour, OMD wrote, If You Leave. In less than 24 hours, the newly reshot Andy Bland ending. John Cryer has stated that he was shocked that the test audience was unhappy about the pairing and felt that the whole film was built around Andy and Ducky ending up together. John Hughes was also unhappy with the new ending, which led to a falling out with him and the director, Howard Dutch. And now the rewritten song for the rewritten ending. Pretty in Pink, here's OMD, If You Leave.
movie we're going to cover for John Hughes during the 80s, which, by the way, we have not covered all of them. We were just focused mainly on the teen movies. The last movie is Some Kind of Wonderful. Hughes was personally so unhappy with the ending of Pretty in Pink that he wrote Some Kind of Wonderful for complete redemption. 
In some kind of wonderful, Hughes decided to retell the story, but with the genders of the main characters switched. Hughes named the three main protagonists, Keith, Watts, and Amanda Jones, as the inside joke tribute to Rolling Stone's Keith Richards, Charlie Watts, and the Stones song, Miss Amanda Jones, respectively. Martha Coolidge was signed to direct Some Kind of Wonderful. Hughes wanted Molly Ringwald to play the female role as, I mentioned earlier, she was his muse. Molly declined in order to pursue more adult roles. Hughes took this refusal personally, and this led to the end of the Hughes and Ringwald's working relationship. The role instead went to Mary Stuart Masterson. In addition to Masterson, Coolidge cast Eric Stoltz as Keith and Craig Sheffer as Hardy. The first song I'm going to play out the soundtrack is by Charles Wayne Sexton, born in 1968. He's an American guitarist, singer-songwriter. Sexton is best known for his 1985 hit, which appears on this album, Beat So Lonely, and for his work with a band called Archangels. Additionally, he performed as a member of Bob Dylan's backing band from 1999 to 2002, 2009 to 2012, and 2013 to present. Here is Charlie Sexton, Beat So Lonely. Tell the difference 
Mr. Billy Idol's 1983 studio album Rebel Yell produced a song called Catch My Fall. It became the album's fourth and final single to be released. It appeared on the Some Kind of Wonderful 1987 soundtrack. Here it is for you now. Catch My Fall by Billy Idol. final song we're going to cover from the Some Kind of Wonderful soundtrack is by a band called Lick the Tins. They were an English mid to late 1980s Celtic folk 
rock indie band from London. The name was derived from a nickname given to an old tramp by the children from a hometown of one of the band members. They're best known for their cover version of Can't Help Falling in Love, which is on the soundtrack. Here is Can't Help Falling in Love by Lick the Tins. Two movies I didn't cover, just because they don't fit the teen genre, was Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which was a big hit. And also She's Having a Baby in 1988, which I absolutely love the soundtrack to. 
If you get a chance, listen to it. It has She's Having a Baby, written by Dave Wakeling. The whole compilation was produced by Dave Wakeling. It's got Haunted When the Minutes Drag by Love and Rockets, Desire by Jean Loves Jezebel, Happy Families by XTC, Crazy Love by Brian Ferry, You Just Haven't Earned It Yet, Baby by Christy McCall, Apron Strings by Everything But the Girl, This Woman's Work by Kate Bush, It's All in the Game by Carmel, and Full of Love by Dr. Calculus. And who could forget his last movie of the 80s, Uncle Buck, which included Tone Loke, Wild Thing, and Young MC, Bust a Move. But right now it's time for Crandall's Crucial Cut. This week's Crucial Cut will lead us into next week's topic. As we're now into October, I thought it appropriate to take a look at a band that really helped to pioneer the goth scene. The featured band that we look at is Bauhaus. So join me as we pull back the orange curtain and look at Bauhaus's career and the bands that would follow after their breakup, like Tones on Tail and Love and Rockets, along with Peter Murphy's solo career. To close out this evening is Bauhaus performing She's in Parties, released in April of 1983 as a main single from the band's fourth studio album, Burning from the Inside, on a 7-inch and a 12-inch format, on the Beggar's Banquet label. It was the band's final commercially released single. It reached number 26 in the UK chart. And so until next time, so long and farewell.
She's in party. 